Welcome to the show. This is the Bot Brothers AI for Educators. I'm Mike Pearson. And I'm Pat Burns. Today we have a fantastic show with uh, two two old friends of mine. Um, there's Jack Haynes, who's a linguist and also an EL teacher out of Joliet Junior College, and his wife, Sarah Quirk, who's been teaching for 30 years, uh, writing composition literature at Wabonzi Community College. Uh, Jack and Sarah, would you like to uh, add to my little tiny V that I did of you? Just only that this is a, con- you know, conversation is the only tool we have to sort out these issues and come together and figure out, you know, how we want to approach these issues. So thank you for inviting us into your conversation about it. Right on, right on. As a parent of a college student and a soon-to-be college student, uh, the conversations we have here matter a lot. Okay. Well, let's um, let, let's get to it. So Pat and I both teach high school and we both teach writing and, and, and literature. And so we've been wondering, like, wow, what are your colleagues talking about at the college level? Where are they emotionally, intellectually, um, on the, the spectrum of like a massive amount of fear to a maxim, maximum amount of, of giddy excitement? <laughs> well, I think we could subtract the giddy excitement part. Uh, there is a fair amount of hand-wringing and fear. Uh, you know, related, well, yeah, um, focused mainly on issues of plagiarism and, you know, misrepresentation. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. our our colleagues are talking quite a bit about the, the you know, the challenges that address, they're going to come, right? They're challenges, they're here, they're coming our way. So how are we going to react to it? it? There's a pretty rigorous conversation about it right now in our like an all up and down, like admin and 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 professors and adjuncts, or just mm, not admin, <laughs> dude. But professors and adjuncts, adjuncts are the they're the front line. They're yeah. gonna get it more than anybody, yeah. right? Because they're they outnumber us. But right. we we all we're all in the same boat. We all have to deal with it. So yeah, I'm sure admin cares. I don't mean to like denigrate right. them in any way, but like we have to deal. with I'm, I'm going to depart from that a little bit um, on both an institutional and a statewide level. Um, on an institutional level, I think a lot of attention has been paid to process rather than product. Uh, whether it's my music colleagues or my art colleagues or my uh, direct English colleagues on the state level as a part of some state committees contending with transferability. Mm -hmm. uh, A lot of attention has been paid to uh, what are we asking students to do Mm -hmm. that is not replicable in this venue. That is not AI-able. When we say something is the humanities, when we say something is the fine arts, Mm -hmm. and it is transferable from college to college, from institution to institution, what does that actually mean in terms of product and production? And I think that that is actually in, in the last seven to nine months, I've had better conversations 
with uh, colleagues across the state about what it means to truly produce an essay, what it means to truly produce art, dance, theater, music. And is it like a product of humanity or is it a product of, uh, is it consumable, right? And I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the shift from consumable to humanity uh, will only accelerate as we move forward. The shift to humanity from? Shift to humanity. Can you maybe explain what you mean by that a little bit for, for maybe those of us who aren't quite clear what that might mean or look like? or? Well, I, I would... A position in as a, like the old school. If we go back in philosophy to you have your anima, right? Which is a the the, the closest English antecedent is soul, right? A soul product. A, but the anima is divorced of the religious connotation, right? So it doesn't mean it persists after death or. Anima is anima. And uh, as opposed to that is persona, right? And persona is this external version of a thing. And I think AI can do persona very well. It can absolutely mimic a persona. It's a persona of art. It's a persona of music. Like, it can do that. And it can do that even in a poem, mm-hmm. but can it be an anima? Can it be a, a life motivating force that is something deeper than that? No, uh, it will never be anima. It is always persona. It's why it can do something uh, not unakin to like Mike. You'll appreciate this. Like, is it a Mexican poncho, or is that a Sears poncho? <laughs> yeah, like, I know. It's it, it's a it, that is a difference. Is it what it what is its intrinsic constitution? And I think there is a there's a place for that, right? And there's a way to tease that out of students that is an integrous. And I think there's also a place. To acknowledge that, like, a student can use Chat GPT to write a paper. They can use any of the auditory or any of the visual art things to produce a work. But its integrity, its authenticity, right, is uh, questionable because it is not from, it is a, always a persona. It can never be the anime. It can never be the anima of like classical philosophical content. So is, is it fair to say then, sir, that, that that kind of speaks, because Mike and I've, t- and I've talked before about this idea of sentience, right? That doesn't, that the AI doesn't have a sentience uh, to it. Uh, it's, just, it's just kind of mimicking essentially, or it's giving us probabilities. Sure. And so it doesn't really, it can't emote. It can't, it, it, can, it can mimic what, it, or kind of write out what an emotional feeling might be like, but it can't actually convey it to us in any human-like sort of way that right. we would, that we would, um, that, that we, that we really kind of love and, and appreciate and speaks to our sense of humanity, right? That it's almost, it's too kind of cold and distant and really. For now. 
until yeah, the world sure. really goes to shit. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, it's not self-generated. It, it itself is not creative. It can go comb the beach for all the pieces of sand and string right. them together and make sense of it. But it's it's always a step off of create, right. creative, you know, genesis. It it can't it doesn't have an that that animus that Sarah was talking about, it doesn't have it behind it. At this Here's point, though. For now, let's state the date, right? right. Yes, right. Yeah, right. April in 2023. 2023. In five years, this is gonna be like those fools didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's let me ask you this then. So is, is the creation for the human that created it and the process and, and like what goes into it, the animus, or if an AI system creates something that evokes a deep humanistic existential philosophical response, is there I, that, that's what I'm, I'm kind of, I'm it's kind of struggling the there. I think it's on the way. I don't know that it's what we're doing. There's like large language, you know, these mod, they models. Yeah. There's yeah. Right. Uh, it right now. They're just scooping out of yeah. the detrius from the web. Right. But right. there, there could be a shift because the, the learning capacity of AI is uh-huh. very rapid and many countries are starting to worry about should we sort of slow the research should we slow sure. our role here because we can kind of map out at the rate that it gets better at what it does including teaching itself it's going to outpace us mm-hmm. right that's it's i don't think that's science fiction there's there's a real concern there mm-hmm. so and you see a little that already what with uh, like the auto GPT programming software that I've played with and I've played with demos. It's insane. I mean, it'll just you make a prompt and then it'll anticipate what the most likely next prompt would be. And it can essentially quote unquote solve issues yeah. and, and plan things out. And it's, it's, it's remarkable. It can do it in any sort of context uh, or just about. So whether it's making web page or planning your wedding, I mean, it can do all those things. You're like, how does right. it do that? And you can, and it'll show you the checkpoints along the way. So it's, it's, it, but it, it, to your point, it's still mimicking. It's still not necessarily, it requires right. us to input something to start it. Um, and, and so you can't, like, it's not at the point where it's just, that it's creating its own prompts out of nothing exactly. Like, it's kind of there, but kind of not, it seems. I, I would argue that it's never actually going to be there. Um, because it will always consume itself, Right. I mean, it will, the more we feed into this, the more we do this, it only can search itself. Um, it, it will just generate, self-generate. And at some point, without authentic new questions, um, uh, I've already started with my students. Uh, it's not in the, and we're talking like a research-based class here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm done with the like. Let's ignore Google. Let's pretend that doesn't exist, or let's ignore mm-hmm. Wikipedia. Let's pretend that doesn't right. It's there. No, let's acknowledge this. Yeah. Let's let's mm-hmm. let's start at point A. And the the 
questions you ask are what's most important. And it only does what you ask. So the fundamental questions of research are going to become that much more important. And the, when they throw my writing prompts into uh, any of the chat GPT-ish things right now, it's hilarious because it brings up a 60% false information, mm-hmm. right? 40% you could follow through and get to something, but it is incredibly biased and absolutely terrible. Uh, because, for example, I asked them, what do we do to stem the tide of college-age students leaving Illinois? Very simple, right? Ted GPT, all of that should be able to answer that with something. Without exceptions, they come back with these right-wing think tanks that say lower taxes. Well, which taxes? Give me more detail. Which taxes should be lower? It can't go deeper. Right-wing yeah, talking yeah. point, the yeah. left-wing um, talking point. Right. It doesn't matter. It you can't have to keep go prompting. And like it I had is. some of my juniors that were working with it, and they'd, they'd have to supply it the information that they wanted yes. it to incorporate. And it, it was very wonky. That was on three, 3.5, and now four is out, which I would say is, argue, is, is better than three, 3.5. I'm not saying it's going to be do better at your assignment, Sarah. But, but they were trying BARD. They were trying. Sure. Right now. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, so but but they, so what you're, what you're finding though at your level, you're saying then is that a lot of the output, it, it tends to have a shallowness to it. Uh, it. I mean, and yes, there's the bias element, but but it also kind of just kind of grazes the surface. It doesn't really go deep enough to answer well, the really important question. And I, I would say it even reads uh, when they ask it to tell me, right? Uh, it produces a BuzzFeed version that is no different than uh, the articles based on U-Haul data. Here's the U-Haul data on people who are leaving Illinois. Um, right. That's that's not helpful. That's not that's not meaningful. It's not. It does nothing for us. They don't. It none of them bring up uh, the state of the state address or any Illinois incentive to stay, nor do they bring up anything that could meaningfully impact. It's it's so devoid of specifics, but it's devoid of further questioning, right? It presents it as people are leaving Illinois because the weather is terrible and uh, they don't like the taxes. Neither is very specific. Neither produces a further line of inquiry. So, so as as college writing teacher, like I mean, in, in high school, this is true, and I'm going to say probably in, in college, this is true. Is that sometimes the students are just wanting to get the assignment done and out of the way, and they don't want to do the deep thinking, and and so it brings up it brings up the question is like, what what's the point of the writing? Right, right. You know. Well, no, it's not what's the point of it. The point of the writing is good in and of itself. It's what's the point of 
what are you asking your student to connect to and with? And if it's worth their time, they will do it. If it's not worth their time, they'll run to the nearest mm-hmm. purveyor of what looks like an essay and they will mm-hmm. turn that damn thing in. And that's mm-hmm. an institutional problem. That's not let's hate on students problem. Right. We right. need to think about how do we not gamify the situation, right? Not chase mm-hmm. after points and GPAs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all of that. Cause those things are important in a certain lens, but in other lenses, why aren't you pursuing like your interest, your, your, your own deep interest? Why aren't you doing it just for yourself? Yeah. That's what we want our students to do. Right? That was what poses the, the, the kind of the conundrum that I'm kind of up against is that like I teach writing and literature and there is a lot of like, so I understand what you're saying, Jack, about like, if you create an assignment, if there's a real reason for the kid to do it, like that's true of anything. Like people will get interested in stuff they want to get interested in and will pursue it, you know, in all kinds of ways. But when you have a writing class, you're kind of saying that writing in itself is important, but maybe yes. the questions that those, that the students are really after the answer is not found through writing, right. In a writing class. And so like, when you talk about institutional problem, like then the institutional problem would be that there is that you, that kids have to take writing. They have to take this course and this course and this that's course. Fine. That's not a problem. You don't have to frame that as a problem. They should take them having to take writing should not be framed as a problem. The problem begins when you go into the classroom and the, what do we write about and why is a shit show. And they know that it is, and they know that I don't have to care about this. I just have to use Times New Roman font and like, you know, do do yeah. what they told me. Couple space it, yeah. But yeah. that's I'm not, I'm not that's grist for the mill, dude. That's why, right? I mean, we're not yeah, I'm but, not but, disagreeing but, with you, Jack. I'm I'm just like that kid might just want to go work on an engine. Like there's the the writing class. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're kind of, I mean, like, so that's what I'm saying. It's like, what's the point of the writing class? Well, and there is a persona, performative element to it, right? Like, I teach persona. I teach APA. I teach MLA. Yeah. Those are personas in writing. I also, though, ask them to, when they are thinking about, like, why Illinois is so terrible, I, hey, Today is the first awesome day of the semester. Go show me spring. Get me a close-up photo. Get me a wide-angle photo of what spring means right now. And then two days later, I send him back out to the same place to hit it again. Hit it again with the same photos. And tell me how you are different. Tell me how this thing is different because that's the human right that's like taking the persona that we're writing about and that we're trying to like bespeak uh, and make it human like start to give it a little something you know what i'll I'll one up you beyond 
human, <laughs> magical. Carl Sagan used to wax on and on about how people, you know, knowledge can be passed down through writing. And the fact that through writing, you can live in the mind of another person who is across time and space, right? 2,000 years ago in Greece, we can read the thoughts of others through writing. And it's the closest thing we have to magic. It is a, what is it? Like, not what is writing, not like hold a pen in your hand and scribble on something. Writing is a miracle and it is a luxury. To, to be able to sit and to write requires that you have, you're not trying to catch your dinner or like save your kid from drowning or whatever. You can sit and think and reflect and write. And that's a unique human activity. No other animal gets that. Dragonflies don't sit down with a pen and paper. Tigers don't do that. Antelopes and shit, right? We do. It's a, it's a beautiful part of being human. And why not dive into it? So the humanities are not, the humanities are not teaching human basically i don't know if they're doing a good job of teaching the wonder of what it means to be alive i don't know if we're trying to coax that um reflection from students out of what that actually means on the whole probably no i mean that's right yeah. i mean that's not good I mean, for our society where, where are the standards there jack for where's the Where's the rubric for being? Where are the standards for there, Jack? Where's the rubric for being human? And uh, <laughs> I would say it's in the trees. Go take a walk in the forest and you'll figure it out. Or, no, sorry, let me revise that. That's version one. Version two is go snorkeling in you know, oh, the right, Caribbean. Yeah. You'll figure it out. Trips. That's yeah. the manual of life right there. Well, so Sarah, would you agree like the, the, the point of the writing class or the humanities is, is about humans, about, about your own humanity? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, the, the fact that you're writing from a place, right? You're writing from a position is the, it's where I always start. And it doesn't matter if we adopt a persona or we dive deep into the anima right? Like we can do both. And I think there is no reason to think that that is ever going to go. And the, the persona, I adopt a persona all the time. I write memos. I write letters of recommendation. I'm adopting a persona all the time. Could chat GPT make that easier? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Just like I could paint by numbers. Just like I could learn to dance from a, a TikTok. But if I really learned how to paint, have I really learned how to dance? No. But I can, it looks like it. It's a persona. And that's great. But it is not the real expression of me. Right? When I write for my sake, when I write from my soul, when there's a sentence I include in a otherwise very routine 
frankly, a letter of recommendation. Mm-hmm. And there's that one sentence. There's that one that is like, yeah, no, that's that's the one. That's the dot on it, right? Mm-hmm. It's you know it. You can you can feel it when you read it, right? Like it's different than the. These tools aren't bad tools, but they're nothing more than like paint by numbers or I learn by footsteps in a a dance class. Like it's it's a start, but it's not it's not ever because what happens when you take the person that learned to paint by numbers and tell them to here's a blank canvas or the person that learned to dance at Arthur Murray and say like now choreograph they can't right and I think that's kind of the point is these things can and I worry about commodification Uh because I think there's a certain segment of the population that will have access to these tools where another set might not right and if we adjust our expectations as college teachers, whatever, to base is chat GPT mm-hmm. generated text, there's a certain segment that is going to look like they're behind. There's a certain segment that has that, like, uh, they've always had. But they might fail in the face to face. They might fail. When I asked them to report back on, now, how did you do what you did? Tell me about your process, not your product. Do you think that at the colleges and where you're both in contact with people that this kind of shift? I'm thinking that, you know, part of your job is that if kids are going to transfer, that the university can then say, well, we know they have these skills, blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah. Right. That's right. But do you, do you think that that there's enough people talking in such way that they would say, well, actually what we're doing with writing is we're working on the, the humanity and, and, and learning our own personas, and then that would fly? Like, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I'm just like, I've been, I've been in the system so long. I'm just like, boy, a lot of what we do is just setting them up to like do the next thing, right? Right, for sure. Yeah. Well, there, there, you know? I think it's fine to say on here that I'm involved in the Illinois Articulation Initiative. Um, I meet four to six times a year to look at transferability from uh, in all humanities and fine arts, frankly. Um, Mm -hmm. Humanities, fine arts is my jam. Um, And so like, we discussed transferability, and this is not uh, been beneath our radar. It has been in our radar. And the idea of watching for what are the assignments, what are people asking for that is subverting the ability to uh, just generate, right? that is asking for what, like, frankly, I, I'm around a lot of philosophy people often. 
So like this intrinsic idea of the anime versus the persona, what are we doing that cuts across a persona? And it's actually asking for a deep learning, fine arts, humanities, anime. Um, it is a state conversation. It's a transferable conversation. And it's, um, it's a matter of about 60 of us um, battling it out. Let me turn your first question around on you. Okay. You asked us about the sort of the, the, the worries, but also the benefits at our level. Where are you guys at your level? Like, what's the talk? What's the, what's the climate in terms of... Because clearly, like Sarah was saying, there are, I think, you know, there are legitimate use of AI in general, right? Right. Right. Taking care of simple tasks that people don't have the will or the time to take care of anymore because they're crushed under the commodification of their labor. Right. There are uses for it. But like for us in an educational setting, it's about like the student's self-representation. Right. Like, so on your end, where are your um, worries, but also thoughts that maybe this is okay? Are, are you asking about like the 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 back end, all the stuff you do to prepare for a class? Thoughts or like the kids using it as a the tool? Kids. The kids, okay, yeah. I think people are um, are they're, they're more so on board than they were a couple months ago, at least in our, in our department. Um, but there's there's still people worried about plagiarism and yeah, as and always. Think, and I think yeah, always right. And and I think. I think people are also, some of people are, there's probably a portion of people that are ducking their heads trying to avoid just to get through the semester until they have some time to think about it. So wow. there, there's some people that just aren't really using the tools at all. And there's people that are like full on, like, let's use this, which like Pat and I are in that camp and people in between. Um, there's, use it to what end? Uh, I, I, I tell kids to fully employ. And then, and then I, I, look, for, I look for ways to um, kind of leverage it. Um, and, and like, like depending on, on the class, like, so, so my, my juniors, their assignment now is to pick uh, an area of writing that they want to work on, you know, so, so it was a very, it was a super wide open, perhaps too wide open assignment. And I said, feel free to leverage the AI, AI tools, but then you got to explain how you use the tool to increase the, whatever you're trying to do. Right. Right. Whether that was like even written a story in yours, or you want to work on like different syntactical patterns, or you're trying to work on metaphors because there's some like pseudo rights pretty good at that right so kind of using it as a tutor right as as another person i'm kind of full-on like just just go ahead and use it and then today today in class we did some writing and i was like no ai no tools no nothing right like let's see what you can do here's a stick (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean mean, yeah draw on the sand here's a pencil whatever right so i think i think people are just kind of kind of everywhere and i i think there's a growing acceptance of, of this is here and we're going to have to work with it and it's changing things. And yeah. Um, and if I, if I could jump in real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah Pat. Oh, Pat, are you still here? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Please. Um, 
I'm not as full on as, as Mike is, I don't think, because I think that he's been, uh, and I think it's more a reflection of our personalities than anything else, to be honest with you. And that's not a, oh. not a judgment or a dig or, or a compliment or anything. It's just a, an acknowledgement. I think that uh, he's he's kind of um, finding some really great novel ways to use it. I've, I've been yeah. using it more in terms of like me preparing for my classes and figuring out how to organize things. But then what I, what I have as I time marches about on, too. Yeah, as, as, I'm, as time's marching on though, I am very much interested in trying to figure out how to <clears throat> leverage things like a ChatGPT to, and I've used like Dolly uh, too, the, the art generating thing before, but I'm, I'm really interested in trying to help build in more and more relevance for the students. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I've been giving, I have been fine with having them access it. That's fine. I don't mind that. I do want them though to be able to use it uh, more so for like brainstorming or for kind of getting ideas out there and then saying, okay, well, now what are you going to do with it? So more recently, we have a, a, a students are doing a group presentation and they have to do research. And I said, look, I said, you can use this to help you generate an outline. That's fine. But you have to actually then go find sources to like support it. And you have to figure out what in that outline is usable or not. But rather than take, you know, a week or two weeks trying to figure out what you're even going to like do and, and the thing is, they were finding some stuff just through the research that kind of mimic what would be on that AP or on the uh, chat GPT outline anyways, but it did it did create some level of efficiency and gave a, it kind of put them in a ballpark they could kind of play with. And then I said, well, but now you actually got to find sources. You can't just simply like, I mean, you could make JP, GPT kind of create stuff, but to your point from before, Sarah, how much of that's accurate? You don't know unless you get the source material. And even then you got to verify if it's credible or not. And that's a much more nuanced and harder conversation. And so, uh, but to get back to this idea of relevance, I'm really intrigued with this idea of, and Mike and I have talked about this where, because what I can put in, say all of our, like we tend to do like course text, right? So if you're teaching a, a, a novel, like the things they carried, which is a, a common book in our school, which, you know, is, is great for a whole host of reasons. And there's a lot you can do with that as a class. But I'm also thinking, well, when I had students last spring read their own book, a book that they chose, they gave me really insightful and fantastic feedback from top to bottom. Every single kid loved the book that they read and they wouldn't shut up about it. And I'm like, that's what I want. And, and I want, because it's, it's, it is nuanced thinking. It's just more on their terms in right. with text that they care about. <laughs> I think where it's a struggle, though, and this is maybe helpful to hear what your point of view is, is that idea of relevance and having them kind of tap into that that anima that you're speaking to, I think, requires them to see why this stuff matters, but it's harder for them to see it when it's books that are selected by them. So right. when I think about the most kind of salient, like, I mean, granted, one of my favorite books in high school is the autobiography of Malcolm X because I was from an all white town essentially. And it was like, so out of left feeling, what is this? I'm like, oh, this is America. Okay. But the second book that I loved, and it's going to sound maybe ridiculous. And I hope you don't, none of you cringe and, and ban me from this podcast, but was actually uh, John Grisham's The Firm. And I read it as a freshman and it's like a 500 page book. And I was just engrossed with it. I was just totally enthralled by it, yeah. but I got to read it because it was, a, it was my choice. And then it led me into like Michael Crichton and like some of his books. And I, and I just like geeked out on it. Mm -hmm. And my point of bringing that up is like, that still sits with me, right? That those things, those experiences still matter to me. And, and I always find it frustrating when students say, I don't like reading. I'm like, that's nonsense. I said, you text all the time. That's reading. It may not be, you know, reading a book, but it's reading, or you'll read a, a, an article on sports on ESPN or Yahoo or sports illustrated where they get, like you're reading all the time, 
Yep. But how do we get them to tap into books or novels or genres that really move them? And I think the AI can really help with that. But we have to be willing to open our corpus or, or the books that we're allowing them to read and then just and letting the, the AI help kind of generate like units for them. And that's what I'm trying to play with right now. And that's what I'm excited How do I get it so that I can kind of get into their interests and have them really turned on by the lit by literature as a as a concept? And then we can take it from there. Because uh, right. I think they come in turned off as it is in high school. I mean, we, we've already lost them by middle school half the time. So uh, I'm trying to figure out how to turn them back on to, you know, really just good storytelling, whatever that means. I love that. I love the use of AI as the generative rather than as the prescriptive. If it's leading you to the thing that you need to read to understand, then it's a perfect use of it. It's no different than our card catalog, right? Or our librarians. This, this is, this is, this could be a, the most integrous way to approach it. I think uh, to cut everyone off. I do have colleagues that are like very concerned about. Um, how do I identify whether something has been written by Chad GPT? Mm-hmm. And I laugh and I'm like, because it doesn't sound like your student. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's pretty easy to figure that well, out. Well, and Pat, like how many students do you have in a class? Uh, in one classroom, it's, it's between like, it's usually in around like 25. Yeah, um, that's a lot, right? Like it's well, it, but there's schools that have more, right? But, but to that, yeah. Well, let me ask this. You're asking for Like, is there a question? Like, I'm curious. It's like, why you're asking? Is it just because like, logistically your thing? And that's one class, mind you, not all of them. I've got five. Because right? what, what Sarah was talking about, like if, as teachers of writing, right. And, and writing is thought writing is fossilized thought, right. You need to know the thinker of the thoughts. And at our level, uh, we have certain numbers, you know, we're pretty, I have better numbers than Sarah. My, I have 18 students in my 101 class. All right. That's 18 students who don't say that out loud. Thinking. <laughs> I know. Hey, well, like, I felt really bad saying strength. 25. I'm like, I hope Thank no one hates wolves, me. Dude. I've had 40 before. I don't- <laughs> uh, we can't get to know that many people. Right. So whether they're self-representing or misrepresenting through ChatGPT, we don't have very good odds at saying you did not write this and this is how I know, right? So we're, we're pinched, but the fewer students you have, the more possible it is. The more students you have, the more impossible it is. Mm-hmm. It's a hopeless situation, right? Right, And that's why student to teacher ratio num like that number matters mm-hmm. uh advocating within our institutions to get those relationships down because what we're talking about is are we dealing with humans or are we dealing with a human plus some other thing mm-hmm. we're dealing with humans and we've got to be able to pull that ability in so that it's functional we can't do it the way the system has it set up right now it's too difficult and things are going to leak. You're going to get problems. Well, and I would argue that we also have to contend with uh, 
uh, and the community college of them, this this is this could be it, right? And for my students, this is this could be the end of the road, right? In terms of like writing instruction, right. they will be given. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and so it means that like I need then to be prepared to face the world of writing, and I need them to carry forth the world of information, right? And not all of them are going to go on to a four-year. Um, 60% are, at least. And that's awesome. But so I'm teaching to this dual audience of like, am I preparing for transferability or am I preparing for, you're going to write letters to customers right. that could probably be, be chat GPT. Right. Right. Um, and that's fine, right? That kind of writing, so there's many kinds of writing. Right. There's writing on the bathroom stall. There's writing a love note and all kinds of writing. Certain kinds of writing, sure, farm it out to chat GPT. You could probably do a better job because you have more resources than the shits that I have to give to get this thing done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So with, with that thought, I'm going to I'm going to try to close this off here. It sounds like uh, one. I love the line that writing is fossilized thought. And this idea of of animus, and I want to put that together with uh, the writing on bathroom walls, because perhaps that's the best animated fossilized thought there is. If you <laughs> if well you really want to know a student, um, hey, but eyeballs on screens matter. <laughs> the shit you write on the bathroom wall, people see that shit, dude. Books widely publicized. Anymore. Widely publicized. Um, and the kids that don't like to write always write in there, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to humanity, humanity's in the stall, I guess, and it's always sophomoric. I'll even go there, right? But what it sounds like is that um is that the the the, the college area is still is kind of in a tizzy, just like the high school area. People are trying to figure this out. Um, we we're trying to get our feet under us a little bit. Um, it sounds like there's systemic problems that I know you know we've talked about for years. Um, but it also thinks that maybe the humanities has gotten away from the humanity, right? And maybe that is worthy of some reflection. I think overall, it's, I think we, we, we unpacked a lot and I think we may have generated more questions than answers, which is probably why we're all humanities teachers. Um, well, we're that's, not, we're not. that's the sciences, right? Yeah, it should it's, all be about questions. It's about skeptical inquiry, right? Like, right. This might be okay. It might not be. Let's kick it around. Yeah. So I want to thank you both for for coming and visiting us on our on our podcast. Uh, it was great seeing thank you. Thank you guys and, very uh, much. We can thank probably do much. this again because there's some topics we did not get to. It'd be fun to get to that. But oh yeah. Later oh, show. there's a lot to talk about. So yeah, have us back, man. Anytime. We'd love to do it. All right, right on. Take it easy. All right, that's the Bot Brothers AI for Educators. Thanks again for listening this week. If you like this show, please give us some stars, follow us, like us, share with your friends. If you want to get in contact with us, you can tweet us at the Bot Brothers. There's a Facebook group called the Bot Brothers AI for Educators. There's a Gmail, the Bot Brothers AI at Gmail. If you know anyone who you think would be an interesting guest or a topic, please drop us a line at any one of those places. Have a great day.